preaching a series entitled, It Is Finished. I think we really need to get the revelation that everything we need today and everything we will ever need has already been purchased on the cross and therefore legally it is already ours. You know, uh, uh, athletes stand at the starting line and anxiously wait for the starter's gun to signal that they can run the race. The beautiful thing about this, our Christianity, is even though we're running the race, we have already crossed the finish line through Jesus Christ. Amen. The end is guaranteed. Because before the gun goes off, I'm already a winner. I'm already a champion. I'm already an overcomer. You are already a winner. You are already an overcomer. You are already a champion. Amen. Everything that was written against you was canceled out on the cross that Jesus put himself on so that you and I could be lifted up, seated in heavenly places. You know who sits in heavenly places? Kings, the sons of God. Amen. It is finished. We start with the victory in our hands because of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Yeah, it's all right to say good preaching, Pastor. As I've been preaching this series, it is finished. Again, a reality, a concept that needs to be constantly put in front of our face. Too often we pray from a position of, God, please do this miracle, rather than standing on the finished work and saying, Father, I thank you I got the victory. I thank you my son is coming back to you. I thank you that you're do, you, you've already and are doing miracles in my family. Hallelujah. As I've been teaching this, I've shared there are seven places that Jesus shed blood on his journey to the cross and on the cross. The first being in the Garden of Gethsemane. We see Adam was in the Garden of Eden and there was a conflict of wills. And he did his will instead of the will of the Father. And as Jesus battled the forces, the hordes of the kingdom of darkness, as they preyed on him in his weakest human moment, he faced the battle of wills and he said, not my will. Dad, the first Adam, made that mistake. I'm surrendering my will to your glory. And you know, as he sweat drops of blood, he broke the curse of a human nature enslaved by sin. He broke the curse that had destined us to be written out by the law of sin and death. And in that moment when he shed, he sweated the blood, and that blood was uh, breaking down the, the will of the natural soul and making us obedient to the will of the Father. He redeemed us from a curse that is bound to sin, and he set us free to the blessing. That makes us sons of righteousness. He shed blood in the garden. Before he got to the cross, they whipped his back, 
Peter makes it very clear. Peter writes his epistle to the church some 40 years after the event. And grammatically, he deliberately said, by his stripes, you were healed. It's finished. It's finished. By his stripes, you were already healed. He sheds his blood as his body is beat and broken and shredded so that your body can be healed and delivered. They put a crown of thorns on his head, and I went through this week by week, and if you're a visitor here or if you're newer here and you haven't gotten the whole series, you can check out our channel on YouTube and listen to each of those uh, important designated locations that Jesus shed his blood from his head and the curse that it broke from uh, the crown on his head and uh, the, the uh, whips marks on his back, the nail holes in his hands. The Bible says they hit him with rods and they slapped him and they pulled his beard. It left bruises all over him. He healed us from emotional bruises. I'm not here to re-preach all that today. I'm here to take you to point number six. They pierced his feet. Now, I want to give you a heads up. Next week is going to be a very powerful message. I'm going to be sharing some stories with you, uh, some personal and some not as personal. But next week is going to be a healing revolution, and bondages are going to break off of people's families. Amen. I'm telling you right now, it'll be an extremely moving message and you will see that it is the will of God and therefore the power of God will be released to redeem families and to do miracles in our homes. Can I get an amen? I want to encourage because of that, and I really felt in the Lord as I was preparing to tell you this, I really want to encourage Every woman, bring your husband. Every man, bring your wife and bring your kids. And I believe that there's a special anointing that's going to be passed out, poured out, as I share the final place where Jesus shed his blood and the curse that is broken as a result of that. Amen. Well, I'm excited about next week. I've been very excited about this final message. How many of you are starting to get a little bit excited? Amen. But today we're on the sixth place and the sixth curse that Jesus broke. Last week we talked about the fact they pierced his hands. Psalm 22, David enters into the prophetic anointing of the Holy Spirit and he prophesies in Psalm 22, the whole thing is a prophecy about the crucifixion. In fact, Psalm 22 ends and it says, and a generation yet to decline to come, a generation yet to come, will declare it is finished. So after he goes through step by step of what happened on the cross, and he prophetically writes this stuff, stuff that historically never happened to King David, he finishes the psalm with the closing words of Jesus on the cross, it is finished. And David says, and a generation yet to come will declare it is finished. It is done. Amazing. But David says, they pierced my feet. 
He said, they pierced my hands and they pierced my feet. In Mark 15, uh, around verse 24, we see they crucified him. We understand that the Roman method and even the Greek method of crucifixion, they would uh, drive nails through the hand and through the feet. This signifies the fact that Jesus shed blood at his feet. It signifies that Jesus came to restore our dominion. The dominion that was lost in the first garden. The dominion that was surrendered up by the first Adam. The first Adam was put on earth as an ambassador of heaven. He was put here to be God's general. He was put here to be God's overseer. Man was never meant to be victimized by demons. Humanity was never created so that the kingdom of darkness could shred us to pieces. That was never God's intention. And if it was never God's intention, and today you are born again, it is not God's will for the enemy to eat you and leave you in the dust. It is the will of God to set you free. It is the desire of God. It is the joy of God to pick up broken humanity and to reinstate them under Jesus Christ and give you the victory once and for all. We talk about taking our ground, making a stand. And what your feet stand on signifies dominion. The ground that you have taken and kept under your feet. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, God said, Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. That's what he did. He created us to be a reflection of his awesomeness. But the purpose is after the comma, so that. This is what I'm going to do. This is the purpose. It was always God's intention. It was always God's purpose that man may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock and over the animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. It was always God's intention that man who would reflect him, how can you reflect God and be subservient to the elements of the world? If we're going to reflect God, then we're going to reflect him not only in character and nature, but we're going to reflect him in purpose. And God said, let us make man as a reflector of who we are, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Let's make man as a triune being, but let him reflect the majesty that is with us. Let it reflect the dominance and the rulership and the governorship that we ourselves rule the universe with. God said, let us make men as reflectors of us so that they may have dominion. In Psalm 8, the same David, though he was a king, he was full of the Holy Ghost, he was a prophet. He was a psalmist, but in his songs, much like our worship team, they will often prophesy in music and start bringing out spontaneous words and songs, and they are the word of the Lord. It's God's 
encouraging, inspiring message to us, the church. Those of you that are newer here, a lot of the stuff, while they sing set songs, they will often then move in the freedom of the spirit and they just start singing lyrics that they have not previously orchestrated or written down. The spirit of God is prophetic. You know why it's prophetic? Because the spirit of God knows all truth. And so it can speak things before they even are. And so where the Lord is, there's always the spirit of prophecy. Yeah. So David starts to write, the same David who wrote Psalm 22, and he prophesied the cross, the redemption. He prophesied about Yeshua, the Messiah, but that he would die and then he would reign and cause us to reign. He says in Psalm 8, David writes, what is man? That you're mindful of him, that you would even consider him. You made him in structure a little lower than angels, but it was to man that you crowned him with your glory. Glory always speaks of the nature and the character, the virtues of God. And then you crowned him with honor. And honor speaks of position, giftings. You've given him a position. Lucifer looked on with great envy and anger. He lusted while God had given him great beauty and, and great privilege. He was made a, cheri- a guardian cherub, a special kind of angel, an angel with great power and authority, and he was a guardian. And the Bible says that he put him on his holy mountain amongst his holy stones and said, I want you to guard my throne. How many of you want your friends to guard your back? How many of you want to surround yourselves with friends who will stab you in the back? No. And Lucifer was, the Bible says, the most beautiful of angels. He was given the honor, the position, the task of guarding God's holy ground. You'll read that in Ezekiel. There are two places that talk about Lucifer's fall before the creation of humanity, and one is in the book of Isaiah, and the other is in the book of Ezekiel. I know these things because I actually read the Bible sometimes. <laughs> God gave him glory. It says that God took precious stones and embedded them in his chest. He reflected the image and the the glory, the beauty, the character, the abilities of God. And he was given honor. He said, I trust you. That's why I'm going to put you on my holy mountain amongst my fiery stones to protect, to cover. And the Bible says that Lucifer wasn't satisfied with that. He lusted for God's position. It's an ugly thing when A person isn't generous, but they become greedy and self-motivated. And they become envious of others and can't champion other people's success. It's an ugly thing when humanity mirrors that. And Lucifer was mirroring that. And he lusted for God's position. And Jesus said, I saw Lucifer cast down from heaven. I saw him come screaming down to the earth like lightning. 
David says, what is man? You made us from nothing. You took us out of the earth. You molded us and breathed your spirit into us. And it wasn't enough that you gave us life and made us living creatures. You then invested your goodness and your character and your greatness and all the wonderful attributes that make you glorious. You put those attributes inside of man and you elevated him to a position of honor. You gave him power. You gave him purpose. See, God's given Adam purpose. We made him in our image so that I'm going to put our glory on him so that then they will be honored and lifted up to have a position and a purpose. That's what you were destined for. If the first Adam had never fallen, you would not be a kick around. You would not be some dog's toy. No, if the first Adam never fell, we were meant to live on a on an earth with our father, unspoiled by greed, sin, and selfishness. And we would walk around in a stately manner. We would walk around not broken, not defeated, but resplendent and reflecting the presence of God and the glory of God. Absolutely. And David says, what is man? You know, this point is so important and I know that some of you here in this church, you hear me quote Psalm 8 often. Why do I quote it often? Because you got to get the story right from the beginning. But it's interesting that Paul in the book of Hebrews requotes David. He requotes Psalm 8. And in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 8, he says, What is mankind? He is repeating this passage of scripture just like Pastor Rob does. So I figured if Paul can repeat it, I can repeat it too. He says, what is man that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. You made them lower, a little lower than the angels, but you crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. This is New Testament now. Paul has pulled this out of the Old Testament and he's speaking to the church and he's saying everything is meant to be under your feet. This is the will of God. No, this isn't some trumped up exaggeration. It is the word. It is written. It was meant to be from the beginning. And the apostle Paul declares it after Jesus says it's finished. He writes and he lays out the foundation for the New Testament church. This is meant to be our mindset. We are representatives of heaven in a very dark world. We are the head and not the tail. We're meant to think and breathe and live and act like God wants to reconcile the whole world through us. Apostle Paul says that. We could get religious and say, no, through Jesus. He said, no, God is reconciling the world through us as ambassadors. Salvation comes through Jesus Christ. But the proclamation comes through the church of Jesus Christ, the people, you and me, everyone born again. And so David, uh, Paul reiterates this and he says, you put everything under his feet. 
under his feet. You see, dominion was given to the first Adam, but now it's been officially restored through Jesus Christ. I've told you many times during this series, unlike a black and white western where a cowboy gets shot and he staggers for 20, 30 seconds before he finally falls to the ground. And there's a very corny, cheesy ending before he dies, the whole lead up to his death. Jesus didn't say it's finished because he was making a declaration he's about to die. No, he said it's finished because he was making a declaration that the plan of salvation that God prophesied about in the garden was now completed and our restoration has come by the blood of Jesus. Come on, give the Lord an amen. Absolutely. Dominion was given to the first Adam, but it's been restored by the last Adam, Jesus Christ. It's up to us to appropriate that dominion. It's up to us to take hold of what he has restored to us. Why do I preach this stuff to you? Why do I allow a series to go this long? Because I want to massage your thoughts. I want to sandpaper the wrong thoughts. I want to fill your mind from this angle and this angle. I want to put it right in front of your face so that there can be no doubt that the word of God has been sent to wash us, to break down all the negative thinking so that we stop thinking with religious, demonic doctrines and start realizing that we were called to be sons of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Those of you who know me know that I'm not going to stop. I'm going to prove this point more and more with Scripture. Setting your feet on something denotes taking your rightful place. Church, we need to take our rightful place. We need to stake our claim. In the West, when this country was just a young uh, country, uh, people would race out West and they would stake their claims, whether it was for gold or whether it was for land. And it had to be recognized legally once they went through the proper channels. And when we go through the proper channel of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, we need to stake our claim and it is legal. It is legal. It is recognized by the government of heaven. I want to tell you, the government of America, I love it, and, and thank God, you know, for what we have. It's good, it's bad, it's hopefully changing, and I'm not talking about parties, because both parties can be corrupt. I thank God for us as America, and while this is July the 4th, I think we should be patriotic in the sense that while this nation isn't everything we'd like it to be and it's not everything it can be, it has still given us and afforded us many privileges and many freedoms. But just like Paul says, we will not look at people as they are in the natural, but we will look at those who have asked Jesus in their heart as being completed in the fullness of the potential of who Jesus Christ is. And I think from a Christian perspective, patriot, 
patriotism is seeing America the way God sees America. Seeing America with the eyes of faith. Remembering the good she's done and praying the blood of Jesus over this nation and the leaders of our nation and declaring that America will still see another move of the Holy Ghost. Can I get an agreement? Come on, church. Setting your feet on something denotes taking your rightful place, staking your claim. We are meant to stake our claim with faith and aggressive determination. The kingdom of God suffers violence, not illegal violence, not unjust violence, but the violence of determination, the violence that says, I know my rights and I'm going to stand my ground. The kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent, the determined, those that are absolutely convinced You know who the first person is that quits? The person who's not really convinced. To those that are violent, who are convinced, they have a conviction. The kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violence inherit the earth. Hallelujah. We take hold of what has been given to us through the cross. It is finished. And in every part of our lives, we need to keep remembering. I'm not here begging for God for a drop of mercy. I am drowning in his grace. You know what grace is? It's undeserved benefit. I'm not begging God for a drop of mercy. I am drowning in God's grace. It's already been provided. While the problem might be in the future, my answer is in the past. Hallelujah. Come on, you know and I know that the devil will try some new strategy from day to day. I don't live in fear about tomorrow. I don't live in fear about what comet or meteor is going to fall out of the heavens and hit the earth. The devil will start a new strategy every day. But day by day, I reflect on the fact it is finished. I have been bought. I have been redeemed. I have been set free. And I am in my Father's hands. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a shout if you're in agreement today. Sometimes, thank you, sometimes, sometimes we get lost between covenants, Old Testament and New Testament. Sometimes we look at things in the Old Testament, glorious things, powerful things. We look at the bold provision that God declared over the people, the children of Abraham. And then we come to the New Testament and we can barely believe that God wants to bless us and help us. I was watching a movie the other night. It was supposed to be a Christian movie and the whole theme, if there was a recurring theme in that movie, I was so disappointed. It was about how we're meant to suffer so that God looks good. I got news for you. God looks good whether I suffer or I don't. And when I look like God, if I'm meant to reflect him, then why the heck 
would God say, I want you to suffer so I could look good? No, when I'm doing good and I'm on top and I'm winning and I'm victorious, I am reflecting the character of my father. You see, Paul made it very clear there are doctrines coming into the church. He wrote this 2,000 years ago that are doctrines from demons. We think it's religion. Well, it is religion. It's man's made up conclusions about God. It is not theology. It is not the knowledge and the truth about God. Religion perverts and purports conclusions that the human mind comes to to justify the situation they're in. I'm going to stand on the word of God, not on what religion says. I'm standing on what the word of God says because this is truth. How many of you know religion can lie? Institutions can fail. But the word of God, not one jot, not one tittle, not one stroke of that Hebrew alphabet will pass away. Kings will come. Feds will come. They'll go. Nations, rulership, empires will come and go. But every word that is written, it stands firm and complete for eternity. So we get lost in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. You listen to some Christians and you think you have one God in the Old and a different God in the New. Let me tell you what God said to Abraham's descendants, of which, by the way, Paul made it very clear, it wasn't the natural biological seed of Abraham that is the promised seed, but the promised seed is Christ and everyone who is born again into him. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 22 to 24, God says, if you carefully observe all these commands I'm giving you to follow, to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him and hold fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you, And you will dispossess nations larger and stronger than you. Look at verse 24. Every place you set your foot. You see, your feet is about dominion. It's about taking your stand, staking your claim. And every place where you set your foot, that will be yours. That's Old Testament. And he's speaking to the descendants of Abraham because Abraham touched God's heart. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 3 and verse 5, this is what God says to Joshua. Moses had just expired. Here's Joshua. He's going to step into Moses' shoes, so to speak. A young man. And God says to Joshua, Joshua, every place that the sole of your foot, feet are important. Feet speak about dominion. Feet speak about staking your claim. Feet speak about standing your ground. Feet speak about knowing who you are and not letting anyone push you off the mark. And God says to Joshua, every place that the sole of your foot will tread, that have I given to you. And as I said to Moses, there shall not any man be able to stand before you in all the days of your life as I was with Moses. Oh, I will be with you and I won't fail you 
or forsake you. Every place you put your foot, I will give you that land. Let me tell you something. Man lost dominion in the garden of, of, of uh, Eden, but Jesus Christ allowed the enemy to pierce his feet so that he could spill his blood on that curse of lost dominion and restore us back to a place of dominion. Can I get an agreement, church? Come on. When, when Adam had just surrendered his crown, he had been made a vice regent on God's behalf. This is God's ambassador. He says, you're going to represent me. And Adam surrenders it to the serpent, Lucifer. Before God closes the veil on the Garden of Eden, he prophesies. He's about to take them out of the garden, but he prophesies to the problem. And he prophesies a solution. And he says to the woman, the enemy and all of his demons, the enemy and his seeds will nip and bite and bruise the heel of your seed. But your seed will crush his head. Feet are about dominion. Feet are about staking your claim. Don't tell me that God wants us to live in a world where the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's called us to create our own universe, so to speak. He's called us to create our own environment where we live under the kingdom of heaven. And while the rest of the world is ruled by the kingdom of darkness, we are living under the lordship and the expressed authority of Jesus Christ. And while it's one way for everybody else, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It is a different way for us in Jesus' name. Come on. Come on. Stake your claim. You realize every time you say amen to the promises of God, you are staking your claim verbally. Stake your claim. Praise God. It says, everywhere the sole of your foot lands, I have given it to you. You know, it's interesting. The Old Testament is written in Hebrew. The New Testament is written in Greek, the Septuagint. Now, as the Roman Empire uh, came and uh, most things were written in uh, Greek because of the Greek empire that preceded it. There is the Septuagint Greek, and so it was common for people, they spoke Greek, Romans spoke in the Greek. When the Old Testament was translated into the Septuagint Greek from Hebrew, it was translated into the same language the New Testament was written in, the Septuagint Greek so that the believers could now read in their common language, the Septuagint Greek. And in that Greek, uh, the Old Testament, where it says, every place you put the sole of your foot, the word in that translation is topos, T-O-P-O-S, topos. What's interesting is that's where we get the word topography. Have you ever seen the topography, a map of topography? It shows you the layout of the land. It's also interesting because in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, 
Paul says, don't give any place to the devil. The word in the Septuagint Greek is topos. Don't give the devil your topography. You see, God's given you a place. Lucifer lost his place. When you lose your place, you'll lose your purpose. Adam lost his place. He lost his purpose as a result. Jesus Christ has restored to us a place. I don't know about you, but every day I wake up seated in heavenly places. It doesn't matter what I read on the news and it doesn't matter what president is in the White House and what party has the Senate. Every day I wake up, it doesn't matter how bad it is out here, I wake up and it is bright and shining in the heavens. I am seated with Jesus Christ right next to God. Hallelujah. You see, we often see the landscape, the topography, and we see a landscape that is ruled by demons in a world that's going to hell. It's all messed up. But I keep reminding myself that I live in a topography. I live in a place. I have been given authority where kings rule, where the sons of God make declarations and supernaturally they bring change. If you don't believe that, just go back and watch the news from a week or two ago. The church brings change. Amen. In Psalm chapter 2, verse 7 and 8, again, David is in a prophetic mode. And he's speaking in the first person but he's speaking through the prophecy of the Spirit of Christ. And he says, I will proclaim the Lord's decree, for he said to me, you are my son today. I have become your father. Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance. Topography. I've given you place. And everywhere you put the sole of your foot, I will give you that topography. See, he's speaking prophetically about the Christ. I have, pl- I have become your father and uh, ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. Church, I want to tell you that when we are born again into Christ, we are reinstated back to where we were meant to be before the fall. And in Jesus Christ, the earth belongs to our Father, and we are co-heirs with Jesus himself. Can I get an agreement? To every son of God, God's prophetic word rings true. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations. Ask of me, and I will give you the earth. Jesus said, ask whatsoever you will, and it shall be done. According to biblical promise, we can pray for revival in America. We can pray for revival in Florida. We can pray that Tampa Bay will truly be the bay of the Holy Spirit. We can pray that the Holy Ghost will go out on these streets and tell people as they're driving by, you need to go there. Hallelujah. Anyone in this room ever hear that? How many of you are here because you're drive-bys and something said, I need to stop and go there? Put your hand up. Look, you know why that happens? Because we pray it. We pray it all the time, topography. 
You're driving on our airspace as you drive down Hillsborough Avenue. You are coming under our influence as we are filled with the Holy Ghost. Radio stations have got one bandwidth. They've got one, one frequency. We have a Holy Spirit who knows how to go over every one of those frequencies. And as you drive by, you hear what he has to say. <laughs> it's time for the church, the sons of God, to take the earth back. There was a time when the church was, uh, was, was the uh, founder and the teacher of education in this nation. There was a time where elementary schools were run by the church. It was the church that took the responsibility to teach the children, train up a child in the way that it should go, and it won't depart from it. There was a time here in the United States of America where 90% of every college was a Christian college and it was teaching the gospel and laying down foundations of the word of God. But somewhere the church gave up their topography. Somewhere they stopped standing their ground. Somewhere they forgot that they're meant to rule and reign. And we allowed the world to come in and take over our institutions of education. And now we are reeling under the fact that they are trying to bring stuff to our kids that is so crazy and cockamamie that our kids don't know whether they're born boy or girl but the church defaulted and it's not God's fault he made it clear to Abraham's descendants everywhere you put your foot down I will recognize that stake I will recognize that claim and the government of heaven will back it up Doctrines of demons came into the church and people started to misuse the word of God and say, well, we're in the world, but not of it. Okay, so now you're in a world, but you are not ruling it and you, we are not reigning it and demons have put their puppeteers in high positions and now our kids are being fed stuff and we have to think about, oh, maybe we should start a Christian school. It wouldn't be that way. If we lived up to what Jesus said is finished. It wouldn't be that way if pulpits were preaching who you are in Jesus Christ. And how much power you have in his name. It wouldn't be that way if the pulpits were filled with the message that says whom the Lord sets free is free indeed. It wouldn't be that way. The church is preaching the gospel of forgiveness. That's all we preach. That's all we preach. Yeah, someone, what's the gospel? Jesus died on the cross, and if I believe on him, I'll be saved. My sins are forgiven. Do you know that when Jesus was on earth, he didn't tell his disciples to go preach the gospel of forgiveness? In fact, if you look at John the Baptist, the Bible specifically says, and John the Baptist preached repentance and the forgiveness of sins. 
And the church has become Baptist in its message. John the Baptist, we preach a repentance and we preach a forgiveness of sins. But when Jesus sent out his disciples, he said, go tell them the kingdom of God has come to earth and you'll put hands on the sick and they will recover and you will step on snakes, you will step on demons, you will step on scorpions for I have given you power and authority. See, the gospel of the kingdom of God means that God has etched out a space and that space is where every born-again believer is and that born-again believer doesn't live under the covering of the kingdom of darkness. Everywhere you go, the kingdom of God is and the kingdom of God overpowers the snakes and the scorpions around us. Why does the world run all the assisted living places? Why does the world run all the daycare centers? Why does the world have control of education? Why does the world have the corner on commerce and business? Why is it the world that has the hospitals? The church has been convinced of a gospel that just forgives us of our sins and gets us to heaven. And some churches will preach, many, that the power of God and the, mirac the miraculous things that are meant to follow the gospel aren't for today. Well, this is what you get. If that's not for today, this is what you get. An America that's falling apart. Institutional leaders that are teaching your children to be confused about what gender they are. Come on, church. Come on, church. You can't be the light if you're in agreement with philosophies that come from the world and you turn a blind eye to what the Word of God has to say. We're called to love everyone. And we should love everyone. And there's no one sin that God hates more than any other. We love people of every sin because Jesus loved us despite of all of our sins. Can I get an agreement? But it doesn't change the fact there's a right way to add one plus one and there's a wrong way to add one plus one. It doesn't change the fact there is a right way according to God and a wrong way according to God. Can I get an agreement? Yeah, give the Lord a hand. Go on. He bled at his feet to break the curse of subjection. You and I are not meant to be subject to the world. The feet is a symbol of staking the claim and having dominion and taking your stand. And he shed blood at his feet to break the curse that we are under Satan's dominion. And he broke that curse and set us free so that we are in the kingdom of God's dominion. Absolutely. In Psalm 91 verse 13. You think it's only a coincidence that Jesus bled at the feet? In verse 13, he says, you will tread. You tread with your feet. You will tread on the lion and the cobra 
and you will trample. You do that with your feet. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. You see, God prophesied, the enemy will bruise his heel, but he'll crush the enemy's head. You see, that serpent has got venom in his mouth. Jesus took one for the team so that the team doesn't have to take it. Come on now. Come on now. In Psalm 91, you'll tread. You will tread. Verse 13, on that lion, the cobra, you will trample on the great lion and the serpent. Luke 10. Verse 18 to 19, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy and nothing will harm you. While that is a spiritual truth, it has natural application. We make that a spiritual truth and we think it only has spiritual application. But in this world, the church is meant to rise up in commerce. The church is meant to rise up in, in, in uh, uh, business. The church is meant to rise up. I honestly believe, you know, we either rise up or we shut up. And I'm an Italian, it's very hard to shut up. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but when I preach, even my hands talk. You could put microphones at my fingertips and you'd hear Pastor Rob in stereo. It'd be surround sound. We either shut up or we step up. We gotta show up. Before you can step up, you gotta show up. And mentally, we gotta show up and understand God has put blood on Jesus' feet so that we are not subject, we are not subjugated to what the world is gonna throw at us. No, we are meant to put our feet down and claim territory for Jesus Christ. I would love to see Christian businessmen and businesswomen starting assisted living facilities. I would love to see Christian men and women who want to bring glory to God opening up senior daycare. I would love to see the church open up retirement villages connected with assisted living facilities so that we leave this earth in glory rather than in a dishonorable way. In Ephesians 1, the Apostle Paul, I'm going to get to, at the end of this verse, these verses, the fact that Paul says, and all things are under our feet. Now that's not a, I didn't spoil my ending. I want to draw your attention to something we hardly ever really put much attention on. In verse 18, Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you might know the hope to which he has called you. I think we need Paul to come back from the dead and start praying that the eyes of the church are enlightened so that we get the revelation of the hope so that we know what we are called to. Oh yeah, pastor, we're gonna go to heaven. No! You have a purpose here. If everything was about heaven, he wouldn't have made you the light of the world and the salt of the earth. You're not meant to be sitting on a shelf or hidden in a bushel. 
We're meant to take the gospel to the community. We're meant to radically turn things around. We're meant to infuse the earth with the flavor of Jesus Christ. Businessmen in Christ need to rise up. Businesswomen in Christ need to rise up. We gotta stop being followers of the world and be God's spokesman. I'm not satisfied with just running a church. I want us to run the country. He didn't put us in heavenly places so that we'd get a good tourist view. He put us in heavenly places so that every day we wake up, we would see that the principalities of darkness are under our feet. Paul says, I pray. I pray for the church. I pray that they get a revelation so that they know the hope to which you've been called to, the riches of his inglorious inheritance in his holy people, the incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength which he exerted when he raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Listen, if this is talking about heaven, you don't need the power in heaven. You don't need the victory in heaven. You'll just be breathing it. You'll be walking it, living it. No, you need to know your inheritance because right now there's a prince of darkness. And if you think America's bad now, stop believing what I'm preaching here. Stop believing that you are the salt in the earth and watch how much worse it really can get. And I pray that you'll know the hope to which he's called you. His incomparably great power for us believe that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is invoked not only in the present age, the present age, he's talking about the present age. This is for now. Don't let religion rob you of who you're meant to be now. Don't let the religion shut the church up and make you believe this is for eternity. He said, not only in the present age, I'm talking to the present age. You're meant to override the will and the desires and the plans of the devil. You're meant to stand up. You're meant to understand there is power in your prayers. There is power in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet. Why? He allowed the enemy to nip at his heels and bruise his heel so that it would get sprinkled with blood. And the curse of the first Adam would be broken so that the blessing of the last Adam would come. Put all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Joe, 
would you do me a favor? Does the Bible say that Jesus is the head? Does the Bible say Jesus is the head? Would you please point to your head? Would you point to your body? Is this your body? So the body, your body is sitting in the same place that your head is? Okay, but you're sitting in the same seat that your head is in? Okay. And who's the head of the church? Jesus. And who's the body? We are. Guess what? The head always sits where the body is, or you got a problem. And here's the problem. You know why America is the way it is? Because we've got Jesus, the head, sitting at the right hand of the Father, but the body isn't there. We don't understand who we are. We're still preaching the gospel of repentance and forgiveness, what John the Baptist preached. But something better than John the Baptist came after John the Baptist. Are you hearing me? He preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. Check it out. Jesus constantly said, preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. Preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. And every time he said it, he said, I've given you authority. I've given you power. You can beat cancer in my name. You can beat tumors in my name. You can overcome the power of secular government. You say, but pastor, the Bible tells us that the church was under that power and they were persecuted by the government. Let me show you something God revealed to me the other day. I think this is fantastic. Paul writes to the church and yes, they're being persecuted. Paul writes to the church and yes, they are being dipped in tar and skewered on poles and lit around Caesar's palace as torches. Yes, but watch what Paul writes in Romans 16, verse 17 to 20. I urge you, brothers and sisters, watch out for those who cause division. I got to tell you something. I see more division caused in the church by the church than the devil outside in the world. Side note. Watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord, but their own appetites. You see, Paul's saying, sometimes they get in the church. They're not serving the Lord. They're serving their own appetites. By smooth talk, flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Paul's talking to a church in an environment of political upheaval and confusion. And he says, stand your ground. Don't let the enemy divide you. Don't let controversy and petty things get into the church. Don't get sidetracked. Don't lose the unity. Stay together and keep focused because the God of peace will soon crush the enemy under your feet. When I was a kid driving in the car with my mom, the radio would come on and they would sing this song. These boots are made for walking and that's what they're going to do. I want to tell you something. Your feet 
Now, I'm an Italian. You understand that, okay? And Italians crush grapes and make wine with their feet. Your feet were made for crushing and crushing the head of the principalities of darkness and the ways of the world. Church, it's time that every man and every woman in their own household, before you go running to the hospital, call on the name of Jesus. I'm not against doctors. I'm not against hospitals. But there is power in the name of Jesus. Before you pop another pill, call on the name of Jesus. Pain pills. Before you have to go see a psychiatrist, turn to the word of God. There is power in the word. It is written. Take authority in your home. Take authority in your personal life. Take authority in your marriage. Claim the blessing of God to come on your marriage. The devil wants to destroy marriages. He wants to destroy families because they are the building block that God ordained to build a peaceful and stable society. And you will see that everything that's coming from out of the world right now attacks the rights of a parent the schools say, hey, if your mommy and daddy won't accept this new uh, fluid gender, you're safe here at school. You can tell us, we'll protect you, and we'll never tell your parents. What's coming out of the world wants to attack marriages, and it wants to attack families because the devil has come to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to destroy and disrupt our society. God has put down a foundation. Men, stand. Men, Stake your ground. Women, stand with your men. Together as husband and wife, there's neither male nor female in Jesus. Ladies, get gutsy in the Holy Ghost. Men, get gutsy in the Holy Ghost. It is time not to just go to church. It is time to be the church and take over. <laughs> Praise God. I was, um, <laughs> the world is at your feet because the enemy is under his feet. I started writing a few thoughts that I was going to do a play on words, everything to do with feet and standing and the sole of your feet. And uh, I was doing that earlier this morning. And let me see if I... Here we go. And before I know it, I started to write a little bit of a poem. I, I don't normally write poetry, but how many of you would be willing to humor your pastor for a moment? I was late this morning because I just thought I'd write a couple of lines, and before I knew it, I was writing verse after verse after verse. The ugly serpent nipped and bit till the master's heel he bruised. But the king of kings retorted, and he foot our guilty bill. He gave the devil the boot and crushed that serpent's head. With Satan under his feet, he set us captives free. With a foot up, we stand up, and as we're seated on holy ground, and we're seated on holy ground because the enemy's defeated and the victory is ours. Now we've been reinstated and the world is at our feet. We put our best foot forward and in Jesus' name we speak. Get behind me, you liar. We will never retreat. The kingdom is ours forever to keep. 
Your gates of hell will not stand up. Advance we will as you stand down. The blood of Jesus and his name is all we need. Just look around. We're here to stay. We're here to conquer. It doesn't matter what you say. We've been redeemed and here we come. In Jesus' name, we're at our game. Our feet are shod with good news shoes. And with every step, we will proclaim. Release the prisoner in Jesus' name. Jesus came and now we reign. We heal the sick and raise the dead. No words you say will turn our heads. With every step, we're taking ground. Town by town, you're losing ground. Praise God. I walked in here late and was amazed to hear the flow of the praise and worship team. And I thought, God, you are truly speaking even before me. Now speak through me. Would you stand with me? Don't worry, I'm not going to try to put music to those words on the spot. You won't have to endure my singing. That's why we have a worship team. <laughs> Listen to me. I don't want you to just come to church and get goosebumps or get a thrill or a little bit of enthusiasm. No, I preach the way I preach because I want to change your thinking. I don't want to think like the typical church the typical church has fouled us and I'm not trying to throw stones but we become confused with religious teachings that really don't line up with the word of God I'm not saying you'll never have a hard time but what I am saying is that while the devil's trying to give you a hard time you can give him a harder time in Jesus name it's important for the church to stand up. We just want to be Americans and go to heaven. We have a responsibility. We're called to be salt. You can't put salt in soup without it affecting the soup. You cannot put salt on meat without it affecting the meat. In other words, salt affects the environment. It is God's purpose. When Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, God is stating a purpose. The church doesn't hear it. We hear religious phrases and we, we go, oh, isn't that nice? No! You can't put salt in an environment without it affecting the environment. Listen, just put salt in a salt shaker and if you got humidity in the room, it'll suck up the humidity. But we want to be this neat and tidy, clean cut little package that's waiting for Jesus to come back. And Jesus is waiting for the church to give him something to come back to. Amen. If that's not true, you think I stretched that? Jesus said to his disciples, when I come back, will the Son of Man find faith on earth? Will the church have been doing what it was called? 
I want to encourage you. In spiritual things, know that you have authority. The enemy's coming on against your marriage. You have the right. You have the right to fight back. You have the right. Maybe you opened the doors. Maybe you did something wrong. Maybe you allowed sin in. Repent. Repent. And as you tell God you're sorry and you cry out to him, then know that he forgives us. If we forget, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And know that once you're forgiven, you are automatically still placed right there in the same seat that Jesus sits in. He's the head, you're the body. And if the devil's under his feet, the devil's under our feet. Your body is lying to you and maybe you're struggling or we're struggling with cancer, speak to it in Jesus' name. Your finances, the devil's trying to break you. Speak to it. Speak to it. The devil will say, oh, you sound silly. Oh, that's stupid. You can't do that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. If Jesus could speak to the wind and Jesus could speak to the the water and Jesus is the last Adam and we're born into the last Adam, then as sons of God, we can speak to the environment in Jesus' name. Amen. Salt. Affects everything it comes in contact with. So use this authority spiritually in your homes. But let me tell you, use it to make a mark on the world. Why can't you have a successful business? Why can't you open up an assisted living? Why shouldn't we as a church believe for more ground? I don't just want to run a church. I want to raise up radical thinkers filled with the Holy Ghost so that we go out these doors and every day, every week, we chip away at the world and say we're here to make a mark for Him. Amen. Amen. I want something more than your tithes and offerings. I want your mind. I want your heart. Not for me. We're bringing it to Jesus. And if we love him with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind and all of our strength, America wouldn't be where America is. And the world wouldn't be where the world is. We'd rather engage in the talk of politics than take kingdom principles and start inserting them into our daily lives. I'm not going to get caught up with the Republican Party or Democrat Party. I will vote according to the Word of God. And on immoral issues, I will give a vote where somebody will stand along the lines where the Word of God says. But nonetheless, my vote isn't what's going to change America. My prayer will. My actions will. As a preacher... I refuse to just be a church that shows up on Sunday. I want to put a church in the community. I want to put another church in the community. I want to put a church in business. I want to put a church in daycare. I want to put a church in assisted living facilities. My daughter teaches special ed in high school. She's been doing it for 13 years. She's a single girl. Guess what? She doesn't have a lot of spare time now. She's decided to be a foster parent. For emergency situations. 
I was there one day. She had two little kids, and they were bringing a third. And as her dad, I stood up. I said, ma'am, I think you guys are screwed up again because she's already got more than she can handle. See, I'm proud of her. You know why? She doesn't just come to church. She's the church in the community. She's the church in a high school. She's the church in a welfare system. See, hopefully her mom and I, hopefully we had that influence. We affected her heart. You say, well, pastor, why do you preach so long? Because I'm trying to do the same thing with everybody in the building. Influence your thinking and affect your heart. I'm not looking to be the most heard or watched pastor. I'm looking to be the one that sends as many people out into the mission field to be the church of Jesus Christ.